starting a revival and I want us to just begin to reach out to Jesus to start something fresh and powerful and new in each of us. So why don't we raise our hands right across this place. I'd love to pray with you this morning before we progress in the rest of our service. Let's just raise our hands right across this place as as a sign, Jesus, we need just your presence this morning. We want to come closer to you. We want to receive something fresh, something anointed, something powerful for our future today. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray over every single person here in this house today, Lord, that the presence of God will begin to speak, that the revelation fire of your word will be real in our hearts today. We just thank you, Lord God, that you're a God of wonder, a God of miracles, and a God of power. And Lord, you want to make yourself real in our lives today. So we just pray, let us receive something fresh. Let us receive your anointing today. Let's be prepared, Lord God, for what you want us to do in the world in these days. And Lord, I pray that every single person here will be flames of revival wherever they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. High five someone on your way down and you can take your seats this morning. It was good to see you in the house of God today. So glad that you have taken the time to be in church and to join us here at One Heart. If you're visiting with us, we want to give you a really warm and uh, gracious welcome today. So I know there's some people from Bendigo I met earlier, so let's give them a hand this morning. And if you're here from somewhere else, welcome to Port Lincoln. We're so glad that you've come to join us for church this morning. So I want to start with some infomercials, so they're free, but... uh, We've got a few good things coming up in the life of the church, and one of those is uh, uh, Awaken Nights. We're, we're planning to have special nights uh, during the week, um, and uh, they're designed to give ourselves more time in worship, more time in the presence of God, time to prophesy over one another, time to encourage one another, pray for each other, and also to hear uh, what God is is doing to encourage the church. So I really want to encourage you when you see those advertisers, I'm not giving you all the details just yet, but uh, start to prime yourselves up for, uh, for what God's going to do next. So I want to encourage you to, to, when you see those nights, come on out and you know, they're going to be great times in the presence of God together. Uh, also, just want to remind you, every August we have one priority, which is our heart for the house, giving, first fruits, whatever you want to call it. But it's a time of sacrificial giving where we uh, bring back to the house of God a token of our, uh, our appreciation and, and of God's blessing. So I just want to encourage you, start to prepare for that, start to believe that God wants to um, build his church, bless his church, and he wants to do that through us. So we want to build a house of God that brings honour to God, that also uh, allows other people to a place where they can experience the power and the presence of God. And that's what we seek to do here. So I just want to encourage you, remind you of that, August, start planning and uh, get on board with that. Um, While I'm at it, um, also have a look in the car park later on, you'll see our new extension going on out that side, which is our amenities block. So uh, once that's all done and finished, we'll be um, enjoying the comforts of a whole new toilet there, facility there. And in, uh, in due season, we'll, we'll be pulling out all the existing toilets out the front and making the foyer a lot bigger. So that's the plan. So hopefully um, you'll see all those things and, and you'll be able to uh, enjoy the, uh, the benefits of a bigger foyer as we go forward. So they're the commercials. And uh, now we can get into the word, hey? So this morning I want to speak on life and death. And it's an important subject. And uh, I just want to say to you this morning that you're here because you're alive. So just look around the room, poke the person next to you, check that they are alive. 
But I want to tell you something. A condition of living is that it has an end. So the, the condition of living, we don't get a choice in this. The condition of living is that it ends and it's called death. So the condition of life is that, that uh, sooner or later you're going to die. This body will pass away. It, it will die. So I want to give you some framework to get us started this morning about life and death. So the first thing we need to understand as Christians is death wasn't God's plan for the world. So we need to, that could be a revelation to some people here today. Now, I know in every, every group of people like this, there'll be someone or maybe many people who have experienced the grief and loss of a death, perhaps of a loved one, someone in the family, someone close to you. And I hope today that we can better understand that process of life and, and what happens uh, when we die. So I don't want to uh, um, you know, take away from the grief and the pain that we feel at that time in our life, but we also need to realise there is hope and power in the name of Jesus for what happens next. So we'll go through all that this morning. But the first thing is death wasn't in God's plan for the world. Um, death is the consequence that sin initiates. So uh, if we can just have that next slide up, please. whole lot of scriptures there. This is just the tip of the iceberg of, of, uh, of evidence in the Word of God that death is the consequence that sin initiated. So sin, if we define that for you this morning as well, is a rebellion. It's a rejection of God and, and, and uh, anything from God. So that's what sin is. It's when we say we want to stay and live separated from God. Now, death is eternal separation from God. Um, Matthew 25 verse 46 talk, talks about eternal punishment or eternal life. And I want to encourage you today, choose eternal life. That's a better way to go. So uh, turn with me in your Bibles to um, Luke chapter 16 verse 19 to 23. It's, the, it's um, a, an ultimate rich man, poor man story. And it's a story that Jesus told, so I'll, I'll read it out to you. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen. Now, who's having a birthday this week? Anyone having a birthday soon? Because I've decided if it's your birthday and I see that, I'm going to send you a message saying have a splendid birthday. That's the word of the week, is splendid. So hopefully I can get at least one birthday in and you'll get a splendid in there for your birthday. So where are we up to? Uh, he was... He was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Now, the, the rich man didn't even get a name, but Lazarus, a poor man, is named by Jesus. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Jesus, you can't say that. That is not nice to say. So this guy's first aid kit was, was dogs licking his sores. He doesn't even have Band-Aids. He's, he's really, really bad. So it says, Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. Uh, we're going to look at the banquet a little bit later. But the rich man, it says, also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Now, the poor man, I'll just clarify some, some things here, he had a bad shot at life. The rich man had a good shot at life. So Jesus identified two, uh, uh, two things in this story, or, or two places really. The first one, a place called heaven, where the beggar went for a banquet. 
So he had, a, he had a bad shot in life, but God invited him to a banquet in heaven. And the second place is the place of the dead that Jesus described. He said that the place of the dead, also known as Hades or hell, uh, it's the same place, and the rich man ended there. So the rich man's story ends with him asking to send someone to warn others so they don't end up in that place where he is. Luke chapter 16, verses 28 and 31, if you're taking notes. He says, I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, pardon me. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they'll repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Now, I want to encourage you that we have access to the, to the writings of Moses and the prophets, and it's, it's right here in our Bibles. But it's important to note Jesus, instead of sending someone from, from the dead to warn people, he said Moses and the prophets have already warned them. They've already spoken. And so we need to, to realise if we're looking for some kind of a sign or, or a message from the other side that uh, Jesus has already given us enough. So Jesus used that illustration to identify for us a spiritual destination. So we use a term, and we've heard it a lot, that the afterlife. A lot of people use that term um, you know, in, in a spooky kind of way, talking about the afterlife, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real thing. But the Bible clearly shows us what happens after this life. So we, learn, we, we, we have to learn to value the spiritual revelation found in the Bible. You need to realise and, and value the spiritual revelation found in your Bible because it's important that we do that. So the Bible teaches us where we came from. So way back in the beginning of Adam and Eve is somewhere way back over on the left side here, on my left, you're right, and, and, and it's, it tells us where we came from. It gives us all the, 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 the uh, beginning of mankind. Then it goes on and talks to us all about history and takes us to where we are right now in, in world history. And the Bible also tells us where the world's heading and where we're, where we're going. And it also goes way beyond that to a place called eternity in heaven with God. So the, the Bible is an amazing teacher and we, we, you know, I guess we benefit from learning and studying the Word of God. So I, I would love for you to have a spiritual experience that leads to life and being born again by the power of Jesus. So um, if you've never done that before, I want to encourage you, there'll be an opportunity for you to do that today. But um, 1 Peter 1 verse 23, it says, you, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. So there's your invitation to the banquet in heaven. It's in the word of God. It's in, it's in your Bible where Jesus has invited you to eternity, invited you to an eternal experience in the presence of God. So I want to just briefly talk about the way of death. So we're talking about death and life today. And we're going to start with the way of death. So there's a modern renewal of evil that is popular all over the world in these days. Uh, that is people seeking a spiritual experience that doesn't come from God. It's not from the Holy Spirit. It's not from Jesus. It's from somewhere else. So um, people search for mediums and psychics and, and uh, you know, the, the stars and all these kind of things. Um, 
And, and sometimes we give these people a celebrity part of our life, a celebrity status. And one of the big things is they claim that they speak to the dead. You know, who's ever heard of that kind of stuff? They have seances and ceremonies and all this kind of thing. And, and they, can, they say that they can conjure the spirit of any dead person that, that you want to talk to. But seeking spiritual guidance in this way taps into a spiritual arena with its foundations in evil and it's never harmless fun. It's not harmless fun. It's, it's dangerous stuff. So, and I want to tell you, no, they are not speaking to dead souls. They're not pe- speaking to dead people. I'll explain what they are speaking to. So... They're speaking to demons, evil spirits from, from, uh, from a satanic background. They're, they're not from God at all and they're not your dearly beloved uh, separated family member. Now Saul, King Saul, found himself in a desperate situation. Uh, he's surrounded by the enemy army of Philistine. He's coming against the kingdom of Israel. He's got all kinds of internal politics going on. He's got his own, his own personal insecurities that he's messing up his mind. And he finds himself in a desperate situation. Now it says in 1 Samuel 28, 6 that he, that he was uh, tried to seek God. And it says, but the Lord refused to answer him. There were three methods in those days to hear God's voice. One was through a prophet. Uh, I, I, I forgot what they were in the first service. One was through the prophets. One was through, through uh, casting of lots. So they'd throw the dice. Six, six, six. Yeah, that's all right. Go for it. Go to war. Uh, and what was the other one? Who remembers? Who was here in the first service? So now I, I got, what was it? Dreams. Dreams and visions. So those were the three ways in which God spoke to people in those days. Now, Saul is, is trying all these things. He's going to sleep. He's not having any dreams. He's going to see the prophets and they're saying, we haven't got a word for you. He's, he's telling the priest, cast the lots, tell me what it says. And they're saying, there's no clear, clear thing here. So Saul, in his desperation, goes to a medium, goes to this woman who's a medium, to call up the spirit of Samuel. Now, what, the, what this story shows me is Saul was anointed to be king by Samuel. And, and before Samuel died, he anointed someone else to be the next king as well. And see... What, what Saul goes is he says, well, I'm, I'm desperate. God's not speaking. So what I need to do is go to someone else who I know hears from God. And he says, well, goes to the medium and says, call me up the spirit of Samuel because he hears from God. And see, what that also illustrates to me is Saul didn't have a relationship with God of his own. He's relying on someone else's revelation of God to tell him what to do and what God wants from him. So he goes to this woman, this medium, and asks for the spirit of Samuel. Now, I know I've heard people preach this and they say that, that, that it was Samuel um, who, who came up to talk to Saul that day. There's some things in my, in my understanding that says that's a little bit suspicious. There's something sus about that story and I'll explain why I think that. Now you are able to make up your own conclusions and, and, and think whatever you decide on this but I'm, I'm seeing from my own uh, personal understanding that I don't believe it was really Samuel. I'll show you why. So... Um, where are we? There's two main reasons here. Um, the first one, it says, this medium says, who do you want me to call? It says, call me up Samuel. And she says, oh, I don't know what she does. She somehow does her thing. And, and, and suddenly she, she sees this, this uh, thing coming up. And she says, I, he says, who is it? Who do you see? And she says, I see an old man wrapped in a robe coming up. Now, one of the things that, that I, I know because we see it in the Bible is when we die, our bodies are transformed. We're, we're, you know, so Samuel's not the old man he was when he died. He's now in a transformed body. 
And so he's not going to be recognizable as an old man anymore. He's going to be something new. He's going to be something, something of a transformed nature. That's, not, that's the key number one. And, and he's not going to be wrapped up in a robe trying to cover himself. He's going to have the robe of God's glory beaming out of him. So that, that's my first evidence there that I think there's something suspicious about this. The second, when he, when he does speak, he condemns Saul and his sons to death. Now, 1 Samuel 28, verse 11 to 20 says this. What's more, this is, this is what this supposedly Samuel says, what's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow and you and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring you down will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Now, I'll say again, whether it was Samuel or not, we know through Scripture that the living can't speak to the dead. Leviticus 19, verse 31, a practice that God condemned. He said, do, do not ever seek after a medium or a witch or anyone who's going to uh, you know, try and consult between the living and the dead. It can't happen. It's not allowed to happen. So you think, well, how does it happen? How do they speak to these things? They are deceiving evil spirits that are sent to disguise, that know a little bit of information and then deceive people to say, you know, just continue on your way, everything's good. When you get to the other side, you'll, you'll, meet, you know, you'll meet Flossie, your puppy, and, and, and the goldfish you had as well and all that. They're all there. They're all waiting for you. And I'm looking after, after them. Ever heard those kind of things? It's a big thing that we have TV programs and they say, oh, you know, the medium told me, and yes, and there's, there's someone called this, and they, and they bring people in, but they're, they're, they're just spirits who are deceiving to try and draw people in. Now, uh, whether it was Samuel or not, we know through the scriptures that the living can't speak to the dead. So what is going on is those deceptive, deceptive spirits, they're demons who exploit vulnerable people in a masquerade to deceive. So Chuck Swindoll says this. He writes, God is a source of all wisdom and guidance. If we are alienated from him through sin... We need to take care of that by confessing and repenting of our sin. God desires that you not try and make contact with the spirits of the dead, but with him instead. God has paved the way through the cross of Christ. Now, if Samuel could speak for God from the other side, he would have said to Saul, turn, soften your heart, repent. You don't have to die and Israel doesn't need to be defeated on the battlefield your rebellion doesn't have to translate to your to your sons dying on the battlefield beside you so what what we do here is we can rely on the principle of precedence from God's word so you see well what's God God's word say about a situation and circumstances Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 uh, it says this today talking about the people of Israel who, who have just been cursed by supposedly Samuel uh, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants, your sons, may live. So the word of God speaks over the nation of Israel, life, uh, turn and repent, choose life instead of death. So God's talk sounds like that and Saul believed the devil's talk and died the next day with his sons on the mountains of Gilboa. Very, very sad story. It's one of, the, one of the stories I read in the Bible that I just think is so sad. The other thing I've, I read in that story, my calculations, is King Saul was about 75 or so years old when he died on the battlefield. I'm thinking, Saul, what the heck are you thinking? 
you're going out to battle at 75, you're seriously, um, you're seriously mis, um, misrepresenting your strength. You know, that not everyone's going to be as, like I will be at 75 years old. He's, he's lost it somehow. But the biggest issue that Saul had is, is he didn't repent and he, didn't, he believed uh, the devil's talk and he died that very next day. Now I want to show you a better way, a better life. Jesus confronted demons in every crusade uh, and it's at the core of many of people's uh, issues. And Jesus had power over every demon. There's so many stories in, in, uh, in the Gospels of Jesus and healing people, you know, uh, delivering people from, from deafness and blindness and all these kind of things. And every so often it's like um, there was a demon behind it. And, and I, I believe that we need to be aware of demonic stuff and, and their deception. There's demons in every church. Yeah. There's, all, there's, there's demons all over, the, all over the place. Now, let's not apportion too much power to demons. See, you know, we, we see the glamorized part of, of, of the demonic. And, and Hollywood wants us to have this un, un, um, unreal uh, belief that these demons are, uh, uh, you know, um, they, they make people's heads spin around and smash windows and, and uh, you know, uh, throw people up on the ceiling and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's much more subtle than that. But, it's, but it's, I guess in a spiritual sense, it's just as damaging as, as we see displayed in, in movies. But uh, I, I kind of think of it like this. The demons, for the most part, can be likened to fleas on a dog. They're irritating and make life uncomfortable. And, and they just don't go away on their own. So we've got to call upon the blood of Jesus to evict irrita irritating spirits. We need, to, we need to evict them from our lives. We need to evict them from our churches. We need to evict them from, from uh, the places where we go because they're not supposed to be there. They're parasites that want to latch on and make life uncomfortable. Now, you can spend the rest of your life scr uh, you know, scratching at these, itchy little, at these itchy little things in life, but you know something? You can live completely free of that. Just cast it out. Deal with the demon and, and get the itch away. And, and that's basically, we're thinking, oh, I've got no demons. I'm, I'm not, I'm not you know, crazy. You don't need to be crazy. You can just have things that trigger you. You can have things that just keep you distant from the best plan and the best life that God has for you. And that can be demonic. And you need to say, God, I'm going to deal with that thing of unforgiveness because it's a spirit. I'm going I'm to deal with the fear that keeps me from ever putting my hand up because it's a spirit. There's so many, I could just mention hundreds of them, but they're spirits that are like fleas that crawl all over us and when we should be stepping into the purpose and the, and the best plan, the best life for, our, for us, we're going, a little bit itchy, get some of the Holy Ghost flea powder all over you. Or the oil of the anointing would be better. We're going to do that later. I forgot to say at the start. We're going to pray for people you know, in a little bit where we're going to pray and anoint them with oil for the call of God upon their life, upon your life. Because what happened in the, in the Old Testament, the kings of Israel used to be anointed with oil for, the, for their role to become king. The priests were anointed with oil for the role that God had called them to be priests. And today, God wants to anoint people with the Holy Spirit. We're going to anoint people with oil, real oil, as a symbol of the, of the call of God upon your life and, and the symbol of the Holy Spirit over you so that you can go from today with a freshness, a new desire, a, a, a new uh, focus 
and the new clarity so that you can say, I'm going to go and pursue after the call and purpose that God has for my life. I'll tell you what, it's much better going after that than living with the, 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 the talk of death over you that the devil has spoken, scratching away at every irritation that you just need to say, I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to be anointed with oil. It's going to be like a, a, an anointing of, of uh, uh, poison that kills off every demon. But we get that by the power that is in the name of Jesus. It has authority over every single one of these. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Pretty heavy stuff. But I want to show you that better life. Uh, where are we up to? I, I want to encourage you, let Jesus into the fight. He wins and you win. Just invite Jesus into your fights. In, invite Jesus into those places where you, where you have um, those irritations of life and say, Jesus, help me to beat this. There's sometimes people go so well in the call and purpose of God, then get to one point and, and everything stops. Their prayer life stops, their Bible reading stops, their, their church attendance stops because they got stuck at a place um, of, of you know, a spiritual bondage, a spiritual thing that says, no, I'm, I'm going I'm to stop you now. Takes away your joy, takes away your peace, takes away your freedom, takes away from, from where God wants you to be walking into and you stop at that point and, and there's a spiritual stronghold. And you know what we call them, our oh, strongholds, well, they're called demons. You, gotta, you just got to realize what they are, realize their real power is just like a flea that stops a dog and makes it stop and scratch. And you just need to say, I'm, I'm going to stop scratching this thing uh, and bleeding everywhere. And I'm going to let Jesus deal with that. And then I go on to fulfill the purpose of God. Because behind you could be thousands, could be millions of people who are, rely who are waiting for you to have your breakthrough so that you can lead them in theirs. Oh, you're all excited about that. <laughs> now, life and death. It's important to get life right so that you get dead right. Think about that. It's important to get life right so that you get dead right. So, you know, you might think, what's he talking about? 1 Corinthians 15, 19 to 20. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has, raised, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So what we have to look forward to is that we will rise again. We will rise with Christ. So the hope of our faith in Jesus extends beyond this life into an eternal life. That's the, the other side, if you, if you like. And it's the, the eternal life with God, in the presence of God. Uh, though our body dies, our, our life won't die with our bodies. Our life will go on. Our spirit goes on. And I believe in Jesus. And I believe I am born again to live life now. And when this body dies, have eternal life. Do you believe that with me this morning? Yes, thank you. So, Philippians 1 verse 21. Can I have the musicians join me back again? For, this is the Apostle Paul says, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. I'll tell you what, you talk about that to, to a lot of people, they're thinking, what? For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Now, to understand this principle, you will never understand dying is better until you grasp living is for Christ. You need to let that sink in a little bit. So you'll never understand dying is better until you grasp living is for Christ. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people who live their life, you know, just going through the motions of, of uh, walking with God, but they've never fully surrendered. And, and today, 
I hope can be a day of full surrender. Uh, a day of, of uh, releasing some things that have kept us bondage and release us into the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. So we've covered a lot of territory today. But really and truly, Jesus wants to set people free from evil lies. Jesus wants to start to dealing with some of those spiritual things that have, that have hemmed you in, that has caused you to stop in your progress. And you know, as hard as it is, we, we can often look at everyone else and go, oh, well, yeah, I'll see where they are and I'll see where they are. But God today just wants to put the spotlight just on us, on you. And say, where are you now and where are you going to be? You don't want to be in the same place in six months, one year, five years. You want to have broken through so that others can follow where God has taken you. Jesus wants to set us free from evil lies and apply the principle of precedence of God's word over yourself, over your family, over your job, over your future, over, over those things that, have, that, that you keep bouncing up against. Apply the, the precedence of God's word. Go, go home and find a word from God. I want to challenge you. You, know, you don't want to think, hey, no, I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. What, what you should be saying, God, I, I, I'm just reminded of the, the last time you spoke to me. And, and I'm just applying that word to my life and, and just speaking it over yourself over and over and over again. I'll tell you, it works. I'll give you a personal story. I was a plumber working in a job where I wasn't satisfied because I knew God had spoken into my heart a word. And I remember saying to Pauline one day, actually, I, there's a various times. That, uh, uh, the one time when I was a plumber, I said to Pauline, reading my Bible in, in the morning before I went to work, and uh, I read the, 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 the prayer of Jabez. And I said to Pauline, you know something? I, I'm really going to start praying that God gives me a better job, that God moves me out of the trenches, out of the mud out of the multi-story construction zone, all that kind of stuff. I, want to, I believe God's going to call me out. I'm going to pray about that. And I began to pray at half past five in the morning. I'd go beside the bed with Pauline. We prayed before I left. And I, and I said, Lord, I want a job where I get a car. I want a job where I, where I, I, I you know, have, you know, uh, I said, Lord, I want a job where I get a car, company car, and I get to talk to people all day and I don't need to sell anything. And I remember these words. I said, Lord, I don't know if that job even exists. But if it does, you know where it is. And next thing I know, that, you know, a few months later, God opens the door for me to get into an a, a, a SA water job. I've got a brand new car. I don't have to sell anything. I, actually, as soon as I turn up, they get charged. It's like amazing. And, and yet that started as a seed of what God spoke to me in the Word. Another time when I was at SA water, and one of my jobs there was checking grease traps. It's like awesome job. Pop these lids and measure the fat. From, from KFC and McDonald's and all these kind of places. And, and, and you know, well, it was a great job. But I, I remember reading my Bible one day, and Pauline was you know, nearby, and it said, you were made, I'm trying to think of the exact words, uh, you were born for more for things, things that come with salvation, for better things. That you were, you were meant for better things, is what it says. You were meant for better things, things that come with salvation. And it just leapt out, on the, out at me. And I said to Pauline, you know what? God just spoke to me. I think I'm being called into ministry. And I think, I think uh, I'm not going to be checking grease traps forever. The next thing I know, I get phone calls from Paul Lincoln saying, we're looking for a pastor, and your name keeps coming up. I'm thinking, that's amazing.
but God had prepared me for what he was doing next. And I want to tell you, some of you need to do Bible college. Some of you need to start serving in the house of God one way or another. Find somewhere to serve because when you do that, God will begin to speak to you. God will begin to reveal future to you. And then you're not going to be going, oh, hang on a minute. Some some little flea is saying, ah, remember you're Richie. That's what he says. There's this little flea saying, no, 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 no. You can't, don't read your Bible today. Don't pray. Don't ever serve in the house of God. No, 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 no. Remember your Richie. So you're like. And, he, and he's, you've just got some stupid little flea keeping you out of the promise and the purpose and the blessing of God. Stand to your feet with me this morning. We're going to anoint people with oil right now. God is calling people out for his word today. And if there's something that is spoken to you in the message, we're going to anoint you with oil. I've got Pastor Pauline, Pastor Michael's here. Um, I mean, all the rest of our pastors are all on leave today. But uh, we, we'd love to pray with you and anoint you with oil. This oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit and the, and the, the uh, I guess, dedication to say, Jesus, I'm going to walk into your plan for my life. I want to follow you. I want, I want your spirit to lead me on. It's a declaration. I want to serve your purpose for my life. And to do that this morning, I am going to ask people to step out from where you are and we'll pray with you. We'll anoint you with oil. There's, there's something of a symbolic nature of the oil that represents the Holy Spirit in you that will transform your, your life and allow you to grow into the things of the Spirit. And that's where we want to be today. It's a, it's a difference between life and death today in our spiritual journey with Jesus. So as the, as the team sings this morning, I'm just going to ask that if that's you today, just uh, make your way down to the front here. We'll just love to pray and minister with you this morning and believe that God will do something significant that changes the course of your direction from today. So why don't we do that this morning? Thanks, Katrina. He was hidden under the surface. You see. 